Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. All right, church, we are on uh, almost wrapping up. We have next week, uh, final weeks of our series where we are answering possibly the most important question in all of life, what on earth am I here for? Why are you alive? Why were you created? What's your purpose? And we've been unpacking the five purposes that God gives to every being. Five reasons God created you or the five assignments that God has for you. Quick review, can't go through uh, them in depth, but if you've missed it, I want to bring you up to speed. Your first purpose, we said, you were created to be loved. Ephesians 1.4 says, even before God made the world, even before anything was created, even before he spoke anything into existence, God already loved you. Meaning, your first purpose in life is to let God love you. Long before your purpose to serve God, to trust God, to be some warrior for God in the name of righteousness, your purpose is to let God love you. And how do you do that? By embracing his gift of love through Jesus Christ. Your second purpose, you were created to belong. That because God loves you, he does not want you to be a spiritual orphan. He wants you to belong. And so he invites you, scripture says he adopts you into his family. Look at Ephesians 1. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God does not want you to be alone on your spiritual journey, so he invites you into his family. And what is the physical representation of God's family on earth? It is the church. That together we are on this spiritual journey. We're doing this together. Your third purpose in life, you were created to become. So you were created to be loved, you were created to belong, and you were created to become, to become like Jesus. You are a work in progress. You are under construction. Now, you are not created to become like a God, but you are created to reflect the character, the values, and the image of of Jesus Christ. That is the journey that we're on. That is what God is working in each one of us, that we would more and more reflect the character, the life, the values, and the heart of Jesus. So we are all under construction. Look at Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. So where have we covered? You were created to belong or to be loved, you were created to belong, you were created to become, and on week number four, we look at you were created to bless. You have been created to bless others. Now, how do we bless others? We bless others by serving them. Now, you can serve them in many different ways. It may be through physical assistance or financial assistance, emotional support, relational support, practical support. There are numerous ways that we can bless others, but here's what I want you to understand. The part of the purpose of your life, you were created to serve and to bless other people. You were created to both serve God and to serve others. Look at Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what reason? To do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. We've talked about this a lot in the past, but Scripture says that you are a masterpiece of God, that you are unique in all of God's creation, that you are a piece of work. Matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and tell them, you know you're a piece of work, but be careful how you say it, because if you say it wrong, it takes on a completely different meaning, right? Right? Understand that you, the good works that God has called you to, is your ministry. You have, a, you have been created to be a minister. It's the way that we help other people. You were not created just to take up space and to eventually die. You were created to make an impact with your life and with your time here on earth, to make a contribution in this world. Understand this. Every, every follower of Jesus is a minister. Every follower of Jesus is a minister, right? It's, it's one of the hills we die on that everyone gets to play. Everyone is a minister. You are called to serve. You are called to bless. Now, we're not all pastors, but we are all ministers, meaning if someone ever asks you how many ministers does your church have, tell them about five or 600, because everyone who comes to this church should be a minister in this church. Doesn't matter what you do to collect a paycheck, your calling, your purpose is to be a minister of Jesus, meaning everything you do in life, at work, at school, at gym, on the job site, you are bivocational. That you collect a check one way, but you are there to minister and to honor God. We have a job, but in that job, we help others. We are all bi- bi- bivocational ministers of Jesus. The Bible says it like this. Colossians 3, whatever, doesn't matter what you do, whatever it is that you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever it is that you do, it can be a ministry. Whatever it is that you do at work, there should be ministry opportunities. Whatever your hobby is, whatever it is that you enjoy doing has the potential to be a ministry because you are a minister. You were created to be loved by God. You were created to belong in the family of God. You were created to become like Jesus, and you are created to bless. And the way that you bless others is that you serve people. You serve people. That means that everything becomes significant. Look at this. Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when we do it out of our love for God. Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when we do it out of love for God. This means that everything that we do in life has the potential to be significant. Listen to that. Everything that we do in life has the potential to be significant. Galatians 1.5 says, God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. You were created to serve God and to serve people. It is your ministry. Followers of Jesus, we are called to bless, meaning this, that our focus should be changing from self to service. That at some point in your Christian walk, our focus should get off of self and should be put on others or put on service. Now, most people spend their entire lives asking this question, what should I do about me? How do I make myself better? How do I improve myself? How do I move myself from me 1.0 to me 2.0, the better version of me? Which isn't a bad question. But there is a better question to ask. 
And if we just change one word, we can see that question. What if we move from what should I do about me to what should I do around me? Because your life, your calling, you have been created to serve the people who God has placed around you. And so what should I do about me? That's a good question. But what should I do around me is the better question. Because menial tasks become meaningful tasks when we do it out of love for God. So this is what we're going to unpack today. What it means to serve people unselfishly. We're going to go over four things quickly and then we're going to get to the um, baptism. Serving others unselfishly. What begins to happen? The first thing is that it will create joy in my life. In other words, something happens when our focus gets off of me and onto others, when it gets off of you and onto others. And this has been proven time and time again. Most of us are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. We're looking for it in pleasure and power and possessions and uh, position and prestige. And look, there's nothing wrong with those things, but those are all temporary. And they can be taken away immediately. And if you're looking for joy that is sustainable, it really is only found in giving your life away. Let me give you two secrets to lasting joy. The first one is to get the focus off of myself. The more that I focus on me, the more miserable I'm going to be. There's no coincidence that the root word for miserable is miser. The more that I focus on myself, the more miserable I'm going to be. And so we have to shift from an inward focus. And as followers of Christ, we begin to shift to an outward focus. Listen, if you lack joy in your life, here's my challenge to you. Take 30 days and shift your focus from about me to around me. And see that if in 30 days your emotional state has not begun to improve. Because something happens when we give ourselves away, when we get the focus off of ourselves. Second secret to joy is I have to use the gifts that I've been given to help others. This is your sweet spot. Have you ever heard an actor say, it's like I was created for this role? Well, quite quite literally, you have been created for certain roles. It's your sweet spot where God wants you to use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he's given you to serve other people. And when you step into that, it's like everything comes together. It's your sweet spot. If you want lasting joy, you must, I must get the focus off of me and I must use the gifts and the talents, the abilities that God has given me to serve other people. It cannot be all about me. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to make a lot of money. That's what scripture tells us, right? No, no, it doesn't. That's the reviled substandard version, right? Here's what it is. Every one of you should use whatever gift you have received, for what reason? To serve others. What on earth am I here for? You should, beginning to be, you should begin to see it now. You are here to be loved by God. You are here to belong to the family of God. You are here to become the person that God has created you to become, to reflect the image of Jesus. And you are here to bless other people as you serve God and you serve others. Serving others unselfishly will not only create joy in my life, here's number two, it will improve my relationships. Relationships improve the more we learn how to serve others. Hey, if you want to improve your marriage, Learn to serve your spouse. You see, the problem is, is that I want what I want when I want it, 
and I have a five foot one Texan who wants what she wants when she wants it. And when we do this, guess who loses? The we, the team loses, right? And when the team loses, both individuals lose. In marriage, one person can't win and the other person loses. That's a loss. In marriage, the win is when both win. And so if you want to learn to have a better relationship with your spouse, learn to serve your spouse. Learn to put their needs above your needs. If you want better friendships, learn to serve your friends. Learn to serve other people. It will improve your relationships. Part of being a follower of Jesus means that we are in a lifelong school of learning how to become unselfish people. Look at Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, what are we supposed to do? Value others above yourselves. And do not merely look out for your own interests, right? That's easy. But each of you to look out for the interests of the others. And then it says, in your relationships with one another, have the mindset have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, meaning that when it comes to your relationships, your mind should be as the mind of Jesus. You should be acting as Jesus acted. And how did Jesus act? He served others, right? He served others. As a follower of Jesus, you are being called. Listen, please. As a follower of Jesus, those being baptized, listen, you are being called to give your life away. And you say, well, you don't even know me. How how do you know? Well, because if you're a follower of Jesus, week number three, you you were created to become like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Well, we just happen to have that in Mark 10, 45, where it says that even the Son of Man, even Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. See, if you are called to become like Christ, then you are being called to give your life away, meaning you are not here on this planet. You are not in this church to have other people serve you. You are here that you might serve them. Why? Because you are created to become like Jesus, and that's what Jesus did. This is what we are called, what we are created to become. And here's the twist in all of this. Here's the twist. The more that I bless others, the more that God blesses me. The more that I serve others, the more that God honors me. The more that I bless others, the more that I minister others, God ministers to me. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty five: Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be or herself be watered. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, meaning that if you sow a seed, you don't get a seed back. You get a tree of seeds. You get a plant of seeds. You get an abundance of seed. And so here's what God is saying, that if you sow into others, it will come back to you. If you sow a seed, you will reap a tree of seeds. Here's number three. Serving others unselfishly will give my life meaning. The way you find meaning is to give your life away. And God created us this way. Here's how I know, especially if you have children. If you have children, you know, you have said it or you will say it, that the greatest thing that you've ever done in your life was being a parent to your children. Some of you are like, I've never even thought that, to be honest with you. No, you will, I promise, right? You have said it, that the greatest thing I'm accomplishing in life is raising my babies. What does it take to raise your children? It takes incredible sacrifice. It takes giving yourself away. It, create, it means you dying to yourself to prefer them. That's, what, that, that's how we've been created. You have been created to find meaning 
in giving yourself away. It's part of the way that God created you. And we know this internally if you're a parent, but we forget it outside of the family structure. If you want to find meaning, it will be found in you giving yourself away to other people. And that is service. It gives us meaning in life. Jesus said it like this. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Jesus is saying, you cannot follow me and be consumed with yourself. Your life has to be about other people. Here's what he's saying. This is the more creative way. Whoever devotes themselves to themselves will, in the end, have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. He would have said it like that if he was thinking through social media and memes, right? (laughs) Whoever devotes themselves to themselves will, in the end, have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. And here's what I know about almost everyone in here. At the end of your life, you're going to want more than yourself to show for yourself. You're going to want to have some substance. And the only way that happens is you must not live for yourself, but you must live for others. This brings us to the fourth reason. Uh, What will happen when I use my life to serve others, uh, when I shift from about me to around me, creates joy, strengthens my relationships, makes life meaningful, and here's the last one. Uh, Serving others unselfishly will leave a a legacy. We talked about this extensively several weeks ago at, uh, when I crushed Brent Bailey in the Super Bowl of preaching. If you recall, I lost if you weren't here. But uh, we talked about leaving your mark and leaving a legacy and what that looks like and, and what that means. And, and, and listen to Proverbs 10, 7. It says, the memory of the righteous is a blessing. Some of you that have family members that, that were righteous and they sewed into something, you know what it's like just reflecting on their life. There's something like, Oh man, I just I wish I could talk to them one more time. There was just I wish I could ask for their advice. There's just something about their life that it's just it's still their blessing carries on. And so let me just ask, what are you going to be remembered for in your life? What are people going to say about you? Are they going to say that you were a servant, that you were constantly sharing, you were generous, that you were kind, that you were always thinking about other people, or are they just going to kind of just kind of leave that part out? What will people say about you? You've heard me say this before, but one day there's going to be a tombstone with my name on it, Martin Joseph Kaiser, and it will have my day of birth, July 6, 1968, a dash, and then it will have my date of passing, hopefully well into the future. I had no say over my day of birth, and most people have no say over their day of passing. But what I do control is that dash in the middle. That dash represents the sum total of everything that I've done here on this earth. And so my question to you, my question to myself, is how are you using your dash? What does it look like for you? Because life is a vapor. James 4 tells us one day your life's going to be over or your opportunity's going to be over. And so you have not only been created to be loved by God, to belong to the family of God, to become the man or woman that God is calling you to be, but you have been created to bless other people by giving your life away. Because we're all wired to do something great. We want to have something with meaning, leave something behind of purpose. And Jesus tells us, here's how you can be great. Matthew 20, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. 
I mean, you see this over and over and over again in Scripture. It's the upside-down principles. Everything the world says for you to be great, the kingdom of God says, no, let's flip it upside down. The world says, if you want to be great, make a lot of money, be famous, get all the toys, rise to the top. And Scripture says, if you want to be great, start serving someone. If you want to be great, pick up a broom. If you want to be great, put someone else's needs above your own. That's the upside-down kingdom of God. Let's wrap up three more scriptures. Everything has a purpose, right? 1 Corinthians 15 reminds us, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hey, whatever it is that you sow, scripture says you can give a cup of coffee in the name of Jesus and God recognizes it. Look at Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Matter of fact, Jesus says, for all of you servants, he gives this promise, John 12, that my Father will honor the one who serves me. You see, in your life and my life, we have three choices. You can spend your life, you can waste your life, or you can invest your life. And as followers of Jesus, you are being called to invest your life in something bigger than yourself. When you came in inside of your bulletin, you should have received the what on earth am I here for called the blessed form, right? Listen, listen, reveal family, listen very carefully to me. Reveal family that's not serving, it's time. It's your purpose in life. And so we've listed out front and back all different ministry opportunities that you can get involved in, takes different uh, levels of, of commitment, but, but it, it's time. You can make us a better church. You can be involved in something bigger than yourself. This is for you, right? We are all called one of the hills we die on. We're all to be contributors, not just consumers. And so you have gifts and talents that God wants to use here in this church. But let me tell you what it's going to require just so there's no, nothing hidden and no mystery. It will require sacrifice. Because there's going to be a morning that you're going to be in bed and you're going to think, man, would it feel good to just sleep in. Anybody get burned by the daylight savings time switch? Anyone? Yeah, my people right there. Yeah, we had a bunch of people showing up at 8 a.m. wondering why church wasn't going on. It was like, well, the good news is church is going on. Bad news is you lost an hour of sleep, right? So my hope, read through this at lunch. All of us should be serving somewhere because there are ministry opportunities everywhere. All right, so an awkward transition. Had to go through quickly today because we want to get to uh, the baptism. Those being baptized, would you come up? I want to uh, have our church get a good look at your gorgeous faces. Come on up and go ahead and walk right up on stage, right through there. Go all the way to the end. These wonderful people have made a decision to be baptized in front of you as a statement of their faith. Um, why don't you head down the steps there just a little bit. We're going to squeeze everyone in. Go ahead and yep, head down on the first. Yeah, you stop right there. That's perfect. That's perfect. Come on in. You can take off your shoes later. I'm not going to dunk you right now. Come on in. Keep going. All the way through. All the way up on stage. There you go. There you go. These fine young people, men, women, and children, uh, have decided to make their faith commitment public in front of the entire church. Now let me tell you what this means. Baptism is a time where believers confess that Jesus Christ is their Savior. So take you back to the first century. We have already talked to to our 
baptism people about this, but go back to the first century. Um, what would have happened is these individuals would have been walking to the local water supply, the watering hole, the river, and what takes place around water? Life takes place around water. So all of these people would have been walking down to the river, and everyone would have been looking on thinking, what are these guys doing? And it, they would have been making a statement to their town, to their village, to their people, that we have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, that we are following, back then it was called the way, Christianity wasn't even, the term wasn't even invented yet. They would have been making a decision and a statement to say, we are turning from our old religion, paganism, Judaism, whatever it was, we are turning and we are turning to Jesus, which would have meant something. It could have meant persecution, could have been moved out of the, the, the family, could have been kicked out of the village. You're in a safe place here, but in places around the world, baptism still comes with some risk, right? In um, India, where Pastor Emmanuel is, they baptize in a bathtub with no one else around because it's that risky. And so this is what they're committing to. They're committing. This is their public confession that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. The second thing is, is that baptism symbolizes their identification with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. You can turn. I have a, a screen a scripture on the screen there. It says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death that in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Here's what it means. It's a picture that when you go under the water that your old being is put to death. That your old person, your old sinful ways have been forgiven. And when you come out of the water, it symbolizes right there that as Christ was raised from the dead, they too are raised from the dead. It means that the resurrection of Jesus becomes your resurrection. That whatever is in you that's dying and put to death and whatever is rotting, that the resurrection of Jesus comes in and he resurrects you back to life. This is what baptism represents. That the old way is gone and the new way has come. And then finally, baptism symbolizes our identification with Christ's church. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So church, um, you're going to ask me some questions with them and you will be the witnesses. So as you stand here before God and before your church, do you publicly confess that you have repented of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord and Savior? If so, answer, I do. And do you identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, recognizing that in Jesus you are now a new creation, that your old ways have passed away and new things have come upon you? If so, answer, I do. And as you stand before us this morning, do you identify yourself as God's family, His church? Answer, I do. With the confession of your faith, it is my honor to baptize you, and it is the honor of your church to witness this. Now, over here, did we pass those things out yet, Patrick? Over here, this is Celebration Row, as you can already see all the confetti poppers and things like that. Your job is to celebrate with these people as they're being baptized. So you need to hit them with confetti poppers, give them high fives. Hey, just don't sit there as they walk by and not celebrate with them. You're going to need to get a little crazy. But listen, don't hit everyone at the same time, right? we got a lot of people being baptized. Everyone wants to get hit. For those of you that won't get hit, here's your opportunity right there, all right? I backed away a little bit because last time it all got into the baptismal and it was a mess. 
For those of you that cleaned the church on Tuesday, I am so sorry. All right, church, we're going to have some time of worship. I want you to cheer and, and scream for people as they're being baptized. If your family, you can come up on stage and take pictures. Feel free to move around. You can come up with them. We're very informal here. It's all good. All right? Lord, bless us as we step into the celebration of baptism. We bless each person here and what it is that they are representing and what they are declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that his resurrection has become their resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can head off and we'll take the first person up. Come on. Hey, pretty good day, right? Pretty good day. All right, listen. Big round of applause for everyone who was baptized today. Big round of applause for Jesus who makes it possible. Hey, I really appreciate you celebrating with us. I appreciate you hanging out a little bit longer with us. You can do one more thing. Those of you on Celebration Row, If you can stack the first three chairs, you're going to make the cleaning crew really happy when they come in to vacuum. Just on that aisle, if you're able to, let people get out first, and you can help us. God bless. We're going to wrap up. What on earth am I here for next week? God bless you guys. I look forward to seeing you then.